listening to the Nerds Assemble podcast. Episode 292 of the Nerds Assemble podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Paul. And I'm Paul, aka Retroid. Uh, so this is probably, I would say, safely considering the timings for this side of the year, uh, our last episode of uh, 2021. <sighs> our last episode before the inevitable next lockdown and we're... <laughs> We're I mean, all available for social occasions again. I mean, I have to be. I was a little bit. I was. I was wondering yesterday if uh, if Boris was going to be announcing that, but then somebody pointed out, oh, he's only got a ten minute slot, so he's not an, an announcing the cancellation of Christmas yet. There's still time for him to do that. Meanwhile, in Scotland, it's sounding sus at the moment, is it? Uh, yeah, there's there's going to be a press conference tomorrow with further restrictions, considering uh, Scotland already had. Uh, you know the, the vaccine passports mm. for venues and well, you know large venues and wearing masks and public transport and you know uh, working from home. I'm not entirely sure what else is it's gonna be. But yeah, um, you know, on on that score, I got my uh, booster job yesterday, so I'm f- feeling a little sore throated and sore armed. But other than that, I'm okay. But okay. yeah. It's just like, ooh, the roller coaster. Let's all find out what's going to happen. Paul's booked in for his this week, and I've had mine several weeks ago now. Um, So, yeah. Fun times. It'd be fun. Basically, in this house, we have, in case it all goes to shit, and we were already wondering if it would all go to shit back in, I think it was the end of October, basically, sort of start of November. So mm. we bought a frozen turkey in November, put it in the bottom of the freezer, just in case it gets the situation does end up at with not going anywhere on Christmas Day. Yeah. Because uh, uh, that, yeah, that 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 could be a, a genuine risk at this point. I, th- um, I think anyone who's had even you know the vaguest amount of sense with this has been well. It seems to be, you know, it seems to have been going kind of tolerable but it's just yeah winter is the worst time yeah i i do find it and i know we're going to talk about other stuff and it's not going to be all like oh no yeah because it's it's just a you know that's the for existential dreadcast that we do after this yeah where there's um, far more drinking and sobbing yeah i I think it's kind of crazy to think though that come like next march it'll be two years that we've been doing this podcast (laughs) During its almost, uh, you know, two years, uh, like, and it will be under uh, pandemic conditions. Is like, yeah, I, 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 yeah. Know, I wonder, I wonder what a uh, uh, a podcast like from the, the the great if podcasts had existed, or even radio shows back during the um, great flu outbreak at the end of World War One, like what that would have been like, <laughs> like. King and Country Cast. I, I 
feel like there would have been a lot of commentary on not being able to go to the theatre. You know. And also how Music Hall is just causing everything to go bad. Yeah. There's still be people and there would still be mask discourse as well, so like it's hilarious. So like, what do you think of those these new horses' carriages? I'm not sure I, I'd tally with those myself. Mm, mm. Um, I, I think also, though, because of the, the time period, it'd be like, oops, so we got votes for them in 1918. So at least we wouldn't have to do a whole suffragette thing. We've managed that part. But there's still, we occasionally, we'd still be talking about civil rights here and there, probably, at some point. Fun times, but yeah. So we were going to talk Empire about. Cast. We were going to talk about um, highs and lows of twenty twenty one from a geek ish life esque uh, perspective. Uh, okay, look, it's pretty fucking obvious that the continuing uh, in this time of Corona is obviously like the main main low. Like, nobody's going to argue that, right? Mm. You're going to argue that. Mm. Mainly time corona. <sighs> hmm? Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. So. Um. Yeah. So I think I think we need to talk about some. Sh- shall we? Shall we talk about some highs now that we've done a lot of low? Uh, let's talk about some highs first. Let's do that. Let's do that. Um. Paul, give me some highs. Um, highs, I suppose, D and D. I've apparently got into that quite a bit, um, and uh, I'm running three campaigns. Um, I, so, I still, I still find that quite well intriguing that you've ended up running three campaigns after. Last year, running well. Technically, you did try to start the year running one, and we had one session, and then it hit, and and then you ended up taking up the mantle for another session online during things, and 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 then yeah. a, and then a third got introduced this year after the original one got well, restarted. Yeah, that, that, that's because I had a couple of work colleagues that were like, "Oh, you know, so when we got to get to play D D, then it's like." You want to play D and D? Was like, yeah. Like, really? That's it. <laughs> okay. And they're actually been super keen, so that's been quite nice. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, three campaigns, uh, all set in the same world, but at different times and different locations in the world. Um, and it's kind of enabled me to build up um, a bit of a mythos. My main struggle is not metagaming when I play in your games. Yeah, because you are in all three of those games. Yes. And there is information um, that you know from one game that affects other games. And it's like, yeah. But, I mean, do you appreciate the fact that, you know, there is kind of like, you know, a plans? Yes. Yes, I do. Uh, there is, I suppose, general texture to the world. Yeah. I just have to work really hard not to smoke too much when I realise something. Well, I mean, struggle. several times you've been like... <gasps> yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Which is... um. <clears throat> 
And, and like, then everybody else goes, what, what? I don't get it. What, what? So, can't say anything. Can't say anything. That'll be that game. Can't say anything. But I, I like how you've, because uh, obviously we have had in-person sessions this year once that lockdowns have lifted. Um, and it's been kind of like, for some it's been all in-person, for some it's been like hybrid, with like some of the players still online, some players yeah. in the same location. Um, but I do like how you've been trying to produce like physical items for everyone using mm. your various bits of crafting equipment from like personalized folders with like images of uh, people's characters and on it and names to like uh, we have money like physical money yeah but I mean just like on bits of paper type thing but it's 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 more um, visceral than I say visceral not really like word but it's, it's, it's more physical. Visceral. Yeah. Um, than just simply writing, oh, I've got two gold or whatever. I'll just write that that down on my sheet. Instead, there's like you get two gold. There's actually two pieces of paper uh, with kind of gold coins on them. Okay, but I did find five gold. Uh, I found five coppers down the side of the sofa. That is true. And... and quite frankly, I mean, in the game of D and D, you may end up kind of accidentally losing some coinage uh, here and there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, mm-hmm. maybe a squirrel pickpockets you or something. Um, That's a risky one at the campaign, but not the campaign where I think the coppers got lost from. True. Actually, kind of, in a way, two campaigns. What what we've found is that um, basically throughout the um, three campaigns, there are certain things that actually match up rather nicely. So those have kind of naturally progressed into a, like, ah, ooh. This 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 makes you know like you know story sense in a, in a unintended but very interesting way. I find it funny that you've encouraged me to play spell casting characters through most of this. Well, I mean, you you decided on Edwin and uh, Harriet, um, Leah. You you I, asked I, me I, to play a bard. I did I did I actually ask yeah. you or did I? Yeah, you were, like, kind of suggested and asking me to be a bard. There was, like, suggesting that then turned into asking. Okay. But I think you liked the idea. Well, yeah, I mean, it's great. I have one stat for once that's actually at at 20, and it's charisma. (laughs) I am the coolest satyr bard you will ever meet, everyone. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, you're... I think... People have naturally, um, you know, kind of uh, congregated to certain classes, though, because at um, at one point we had two artificers, we had uh, two wizards, uh, we had two monks. Um, let's see, and that, that was that was in one campaign. Yeah. So, um, and and see. one fighter and one rogue. Yeah, one fighter, uh, one rogue. Um, and that that's basically that yeah. one campaign. Um, and we've got, uh, let's see, uh, let's see if we've got two rangers. No, one's a um, ranger and the other one. Uh, we've got a sorcerer, but then you play a sorcerer in a different campaign. Yeah. Um, I've got rogue and a, oh, what's, barbarian. And a reasonably intelligent barbarian, we should add. Yeah, reasonably intelligent barbarian. Although he did have trouble with um, with a squirrel That's... outwitting him. Mm. I mean, look, <laughs> so... if the roles, uh, it still <laughs> depends on the roles. 
Because my approach to D&D is basically that I build the world, I build the scenarios, I build um, basically the the physical locations, um, and I, I build, you know, kind of the plan of, you know, how the story sh- could yeah. theoretically go. And then the characters actually colour the world with how they want to do stuff, with their interactions, with, you know, how seriously or how, you know, fastly they want to take stuff. And sometimes I do stuff fastly as well, but there's there's always that structure there. You haven't been too obsessed with, like, um, having maps available all the time when we've been dealing with stuff? Uh, no, I mean, it, it depends on the um, encounters themselves, because, I mean, if you're going through a dungeon, yes, maps. Yeah. Um, but if you're like, oh, you, you go to a location and it's basically just, like, there's nothing in particular uh, there that's kind of interesting. Uh, oh, you, you end up in a fight. And that, that can get a bit tricky because, you know, you're kind of dealing with, um, like, you know, literally a fight in, in 3D space, but you're not really kind of planning out. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's very tricky. At the same time, though, because we, we basically ended up giving up on shit like uh, Rule 20 last year. Um, yeah. So we haven't really found an an adequate digital platform for the hybrid gaming. When we've got the in gaming sessions, in person gaming, we do have like actual drawn down maps. Yeah. Um, but the hybrid ones, it got kind of interesting where you've had to use like what was it your t- the camera on your like your tablet to try and show a version of a map to those who were playing online and stuff exactly and then like i move um you know gotta fall them when they say you know oh you move towards such and such like okay then no cross um but i mean we did try uh fully on um roll 20 at one point and that just did not seem to want to work properly i'm not sure whether and and paying for access didn't seem to make a difference either that was the insulting thing it's just like wow you really can't cope basically so yeah I, I don't understand anyone who pays for that service well i mean maybe it might be better with small parties or um you know there's obviously people that have got on well with it but it's just like because i've been planning the physicality of my D games um since you know the beginning like thinking of mm. you know how to do stuff um so I've always had kind of that, like, I, I kind of want everybody to kind of end up physically in the same location using kind of these tokens and using these, you know, kind of things mm. that I've created um, rather than kind of, you know, doing it d- digitally anyway. And it's, yeah, there's lot lots of kind of fiddly kind of stuff when it kind of comes to computers that you don't have to sort out in phys- mm-hmm. you know, when you're there together. Um, and I... I Create um, like say for example tokens for the monsters and stuff. Yeah, and you know any kind of uh, NPC characters that you know are presumably going to be uh, ending up in battle mm-hmm. at some point. Um, I like I like the treasure boxes. You like the treasure boxes. I like the treasure boxes. Okay. Good because um, yeah, uh, with the treasure boxes, I literally kind of um, work out what I 
you know, obviously what the reward is for, you know, say for example, killing a creature or finding, you know, kind of treasure off in like a dungeon or whatever. Um, and I, I, I can physically stick the money in the treasure boxes. Along, along with, with this uh, Yeah, uh, uh, items or like XP and whatnot. And I can basically just present that to the person that um, got the last hit. Mm. Or found or, the stuff. Or found the stuff uh, as well. So yeah. Um, I, I, I would say that, you know, I've kind of modified the rules ever so slightly just for, you know, uh, our stuff in terms of, like, homebrew and whatnot. Mm. So that it, it is... That there is quite a lot of homebrew to it, really. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, like, say, for example, stealth checks. Because you're if you're stealthing as a party, uh, you don't want to basically go, okay, well, everybody's rolled, you know, 19s, 17s, 18s and stuff like that. One person's rolled like a two and the entire party gets found out. So mm. instead, uh, what I do is I basically take an average of the party unless it's a natural 20 or a natural one, in which case that individual is either, you know, yeah, um, which I, I quite like. And also um, when I, uh, say, for example, have everybody in a room, and uh, they're going to kind of, I don't know, uh, look for, you know, kind of treasure or, you know, whatever. Um, I get everybody to roll perception, and the highest perception finds the items first. Mm. So they can actually grab it, um, figure out what they want to do with it. So um, this can potentially lead to um, kind of instances where, say, for example, I don't know, there's an uneven amount of... Um, you know, so like gold or silver and whatnot, so they'll kind of keep the odd, you know, kind of bit. In general, most people tend to share. You don't necessarily have to, though. It can get a little bit unfair if you don't, but that's kind of part of the party dynamic. So don't invite bastards. Yeah, it can get a bit tricky with um, uh, players that don't tend to play by the... Um, Benefit of the party? Yeah. It can get a little bit interesting. So, um, like, each uh, each player has their own character tokens, and as Emily said, you know, um, you know your, your own um, kind of folder where you can kind of uh, keep letters and whatnot, which you physically get as well. So, uh, you know, kind of in-game characters will kind of write to your character um, in character. Um, and there was an example of, um, what? I just I know which letter you're yes. going to talk about yes. now. So uh, basically, there's a, a letter to um, one of the characters named Elric uh, from um, basically a member of his clan. I think it's like uh, his bigger brother. Um, and uh, the way that he's uh, designed the clan um, has been basically it's kind of incredibly like heavy Scottish type um, uh, dialect and whatnot. Um, so I. It may not be the best thing to do, but I went online. I, I kind of wrote what I wanted him to say. And right. then I went online to basically go on to like a, almost like a Scottish translator type thing. Oh, um, yeah. And kind of stuck it through there. Uh, then kind of obviously printed it off, allowed him to kind of read it and whatnot. And it, it gave him a headache trying to figure out what it said. It, it but, was a the decoding mission yeah. of itself. But it was, um, you know, kind of really kind of, um, well, I, I think it was quite immersive yeah. with what he was trying to do. Yeah. 
Um, in fact, that actually reminds me that um, I've also created language tablets for people so that um, I can actually kind of uh, generate, um, say, for example, uh, Thieves Can't, where, you know, uh, a player that can read Thieves Can't can use the tablet to decipher messages that are physically written, mm. um, whereas other players will be, like, completely baffled. Yeah. So rather than turning around and sort of, like, saying, you can read these cards. You uh, you read this, and it says such and such, which kind of alerts everybody. That in this case, um, the onus is on the individual that's translating it to then um, turn around and say either like, oh yeah, uh, you know, this is the thing, whatever, to the rest of the party, or be like, hmm, I'm keeping that to myself. Okay. Yeah. It's, you know, because I mean, yeah. On the whole, you generally tend to uh, want the party to work together, but you kind of want to make people feel like individuals as well and, um, you know, having it so that their actions are their own and th th the information that they get is also their own. Mm. So, I mean, I've, I've also um, obviously uh, kind of with, um, like, pr I'm, I'm pretty sure every member of... Um, all three campaigns um, has their own dice, dice tray. tray. Yeah. And I've created logos and used the cricket to uh, basically stick vinyl onto those. And they, I mean, would you say that looked pretty snazzy? Yes. And it makes sure that my dice doesn't go rolling absolutely everywhere, <laughs> which is like a, a real risk. But yeah, but basically, that's been kind of most of my um, existence for the past couple of years. Is basically, you know, kind of working on D and D and making it as kind of interesting. Well, and it'll, be, it'll be a couple of years in March, April. True, true. So not quite a couple of years yet. Soon enough, but, sadly. But and I'm kind of coming up with um, you know more ideas all the time. Like so, uh, say for example, uh, there's one thing that I uh, basically implemented which is kind of a learning system where you can kind of learn like other languages you can learn um skills with um you know kind of different kits or you know weapons and shields or you can make money by teaching yeah. or you can make money by teaching and the way that i've worked that uh, is basically that you um if you take say for example um a lesson in orcish uh you uh basically spend that entire day you know, learning basic orcish. Yeah. Um, and once you've got the basic, um, you well, uh, you obviously have, have to pay for the lesson yeah. if it's by, you know, somebody that's not in your party or doesn't know your favour or something like that. And you have to roll um, based upon, you know, the stat that it would by kind of be uh, associated with. So say, for example, language, I would imagine it would be like an intelligence yeah. type thing. So you'd roll, um, add your intelligence, and you have to roll over a certain DC, in order to pass that bit. Um, and it kind of increases um, with, uh, say for example, intermediate and advanced. And once you get advanced, uh, that's when you can actually get, uh, get the proficiency in it. Mm. So, and it does obviously kind of cost and take time. Uh, so there is uh, kind of this um, um, investment that you have to make in order to kind of learn, but you can, you know, kind of do that. And as Emily said, uh, you can also uh, teach and kind of get money from teaching. Um, so, in fact, uh, it's <laughs> 
one of the things that we actually come up with is um, off the back of that is the monk deciding um, because his um, dexterity is so fantastic and he rarely gets hit in battle. Um, basically, that he will play a game of hit the monk where people will pay him. I think was it got one gold piece mm. or something like that, and have three tries at trying to hit it. The thing is, though, is that he has uncanny. I think it's uncanny dodge, where he basically gets um, like uh, advantage on, um, you know, kind of on his on his um, you know on his go type thing. Um, so he basically uses that uh, as a way to kind of generate a little bit of money. And that's kind of happened a couple of times. It was cool. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I have generally tended to got, get quite excited about it because I'm feeding off the um, enthusiasm of my players and they've been graciously, um, mostly kind of enthusiastic about stuff. Uh, which is really, actually, pretty cool. And uh, the players have... Um, because I, I asked them uh, basically a list of 11 questions to try and kind of get more information about like backstory and whatnot that I can actually work into the main um, the main story. Um, and uh, yeah, they've generally tend, uh, tended to get some interesting um, ideas based upon that. I mean, obviously I won't, it's not my job to tell um, everybody about um, people's backstories, but I mean, yeah, I think uh, Emily enjoyed writing uh, some of hers. Yes. Two connected. Because I've got two characters that are connected across time. Not that the rest of the party is really aware of this. <laughs> you keep on saying that <laughs> and, to the party. Yeah, but they also don't seem to take it in. No offence to them. So it's kind of like uh, the ramifications of this. Um... I'm playing a wizard in the campaign that's been going the longest. He can't cast fire spells. Well, I'd say he can't cast fire spells. Won't cast fire spells due to absolute, utter, ice-cold fear of them. And um, it's it's a fear to the extent that um, every time that somebody um, either casts fire or you encounter fire, you actually have to make a saving throw. Yes. Uh, otherwise, you're basically the equivalent of frightened, and you can't actually move closer to the um, mm -hmm. the source of the uh, fire. Or further away, in my case. No, no, you can't move. You can't okay, move, move closer. closer. No. Yeah. Well, what if, can I? Well, will I be able to move away if I need oh, to? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh good. Cool. The the advantage this character has is that they are a half elf, so they at least have night vision. So it's not like they need to use flaming torches. They also recently <laughs> yeah. gained the ability due to dunking their hand into magic. Uh, liquid magic, uh, they now have the, um, is it light spell on their mm. left hand? Yeah. So they can make their hand glow if they need to. And uh, also, hand torch. Um, <laughs> I've also um, kind of created uh, basically like, almost like front page newspapers uh, for the town that they're in currently. Um, and that kind of uh, hints at other stuff that is going on in the world. Mm. So just to make it feel like it's it's more of a real world rather than basically being like, oh, you're, you're basically in a town. It's very, very sleepy. Um, wherever you go next, you're going to end up at this place that I've already planned. <laughs> you know, mm. you, you could turn around and turn around and say, uh, actually, 
uh, I don't want to go to uh, where you think that we want to go. I want to go, um, you know, southeast and said, let's see what's there. Oh, let's go northwest. Yeah, see what's there. And there will be somewhere different. Yeah. And I, I kind of like that. And I kind of like that there's lots of different hints about events that are going on in the world at the same time. You also sent a cracking after us. Yes, yes. Uh, well, it's sent it, a cracking. It, it climbed onto the land. <laughs> this freaking cracking a you... few sessions ago. Turns up after some crystal gets destroyed. Climbs up onto this massive kind of like little uh, sort of like outcrop of like land that had a load of lighthouses on it. And it's, then proceeds fa- to destroy the entire place. That's because his favourite orb that he ponders got destroyed. <laughs> That's what annoyed him so much. There he got just tapping into the the weird zeitgeist at the moment that I've seen some places on Twitter. But I mean, you know, it's because I don't want every battle to be the same. Sometimes I want it to be a case of a Kraken versus not just your group, but another group as mm. well of NPCs. You know, and it's... Like, we had to run. Yes. We had to run. In fact, you know, uh, previously <laughs> I did um, a case of... Um, what was it? The, most of the party got surrounded basically by, like, uh, pretty much like 100 guys. Yeah. Um, and that wasn't a regular fight either. That was a endurance battle. Um, and, you know, kind of I, I knew from the beginning that, oh, some of these players are going to be downed, and if I have it so that, you know, they basically can be killed, and that's kind of a bit bad. So there, there was kind of a kind of caveat to it. Uh, there was a hidden character that Emily um, kind of played briefly uh, because she wasn't in that section, or wasn't her character wasn't in No, that my character was currently on their way back from another town with another character whilst driving a carriage because our taxi driver was uh, indisposed in the most gruesome and horrific of ways. And it smelt a lot. Yeah. But, I mean, like, all these kind of little kind of bits and hints about the world, like, part of the reason why, you know, that character was hanging out the taxi and whatnot was basically because uh, a Goliath came out of the woods and, you know, went to attack them. That, Whilst they were trying to get to Lou. Now, that Goliath was foreshadowing, um, you know, basically uh, a wave of Goliath uh, kind of tribes going across a certain kind of area that they were kind of going to, um, you know, a bit later. Um, so it, it kind of felt like things were connected. And that, that's kind of what I like doing. I like yeah. having a world that is connected. And... I mean, I know you kind of have to say yes at this, but do you feel connected to the world? Are you asking me if I'm in the Matrix? No. <laughs> Is everything slightly dying. green? But I am looking forward to the new film that's coming out soon. Yeah. Um... So, um, also, because, you know, I may as well keep on talking. Um, <laughs> I had uh, recently got a 3D printer. We have talked about it previously in brief. In brief. Um, And uh, let's see. So the first time I used it, 
well, uh, fine. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, after that, it kind of got a little bit interesting. Couldn't quite get stuff to kind of match up uh, and whatnot. So uh, prints kept on failing. Um, and I was like, oh, you know, I don't know why. Let's, you know, try and figure this out, I think. Um, so obviously kind of tried bits and dabs. Um, I accidentally um, knocked off one of the blades from uh, what, uh, the fan, the extruder fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I ended up having to kind of replace that. Uh, the replacement came and it was basically a different socket like <laughs> that goes into it. It's like, ah, oh, fuck, I'm going to have to try and you know, figure this out now. So um, I ended up buying another one from a different uh, site that um, did have the correct socket, um, but that didn't work. Um, and, you know, I was really, obviously pretty fuming by this point. Um, so I, I read online that um, sometimes the, the, um, the Chinese fans, um, they don't stick the... Um, the wires into the right sockets on them so i managed to pry out the wires switching around sticking back in and it worked great so it's like yes phew finally um so and then i kind of um looked online some like tips and whatnot for um different things like say for example the build plate and making sure that the uh, uh the the 3d print actually sticks to that as it's kind of building um so i end up kind of investing in a glass plate rather than the uh, the bendy um the plate mm. uh, that came with it um and uh still stuff wasn't sticking to it so i um decided to try some advice which is basically using a bit of print stick on there um so i, I feel like i'm getting better at problem solving the 3d printer because i understand it a lot more um and uh, recently i have uh, 3d printed a mario star to stick up on our Christmas tree, and it's currently looking down upon us as we speak. I feel like we should probably make that the header for this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Can Can I just ask if, you know, was that difficult putting on the tree? Because every time you got hold of it, you would get really fast music and be able to run around, uh, you know, for like <laughs> you know 20 what? seconds the, and be invincible. The, the living room was in disarray more so than usual afterwards. It was quite alarming after the rushing around and the jazzy music and the colourful lights. Yeah, but by the, by the same token, at least we got plenty of one-ups. That's true. But yeah, but I suppose next year it's going to be trying out the 3D printer a bit more, some more. Yes, yes. Um, I, I very much intend to carry on being creative and crafty. He's promised me soap molds. Yeah. So uh, for, for Christmas, um, I, I on my Christmas list that um, yeah, your family, well, that everybody seems to try and get me to do because um, they, they, they want to guess about um, what I want. Um. I, I have put on some, like, uh, say, for example, silicon, uh, resin, resin uh, well, silicon and resin, mm. um, and mm. whatnot, to do uh, stuff like, you know, kind of mold making and resin making and whatnot. Um, not necessarily for, like, dice for, uh, you know, for um, D&D, but just kind of general resin art type of stuff. Um, so, and, and also potentially make mods. Yes, yes. I'm big into my soap making at the moment. Um, yeah, I mean it's 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 quite fun and it's it's you know quite freeing. I I can do like anything, in theory. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, I've kind of uh, obviously kind of been on uh, was it Thingiverse, mm-hmm. which has uh, host a whole load of um, you know kind of three D 
principal, you know, kind of objects and whatnot. I haven't gone near the any kind of mini service or whatnot because, I mean, well, we're not doing minis for D and D. That is true. Uh, we're not kind of uh, opting to do something. Uh, well, uh, another system than minis. Simpler. Yeah, although saying that, um, obviously uh, one of our players has um, decided to opt for a mini and has um, bought himself one. And it's like, well, I mean, fair enough, if you want to use it, I'm not exactly going to stop you, but, you know. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of really hoping to just do some more kind of creative type stuff with um, 3D printer. I mean, in fact... I've also recently got um, the uh, heat press for the cricket as well, so I'll be able to um, do uh, heat transfer vinyl uh, stuff onto you know, t-shirts and you know, cloth and general stuff like that. Yeah, so that's gonna be yeah, pretty cool, pretty pretty crafty. Have you got any low lights that you want to highlight? Uh, low lights. Um... It feels weird highlighting low lights when they're not. Highlights, but they are low lights. Any any low lights you want to throw under the light? What? My metaphors are getting very mixed up. I'm going to blame it being a Monday. It's late, and I got up at six a.m. That's what I'm going to blame it on, guys. I mean, the general shit show of you know what's happening at the moment. That's fair. Um, that that that's that's pretty much a low life. Uh, low light. Low light. There are some uh, low lights involved in this. Oh yeah, yeah, but. but... <laughs> But, you yeah, know, uh, part of the reason for kind of delving so deep into D&D is to kind of get away from um, oh, real life, because, um, quite frankly, real life can suck at it is It is better trying to deal with shitty wizards um, possessing uh, kenkies. Um... <laughs> ah, but, I've, but I've created uh, an interesting system with that, because I've uh, obviously um, the kenku is a wizard, uh, so I've actually given him a physical wizard's book with spells that he can basically, you know, swap in and out. Um, but I also have uh, provided him with cards that he can actually jot down any quotes that anybody else says and includes, um, like, who it was said by. Um, so he can use that as a kenku to basically mimic people saying that. So I, I, I thought that was kind of a pretty cool, you know... I'm, I'm, I'm gonna ask for a truth and stuff now. Oh, right, because I've just been hogging the spotlight. I love it. I've been excited been about D&D. Honestly, how did the nerds get in? Oh, wait. <laughs> Retroid, what's been a highlight for yourself? So, well, uh, one of the most obvious on a personal level is moving up to Dundee and escaping England. Yes, Sassnax. <sighs> I have to admit, I do, I do contemplate some of the uh, like, like Cornwall's uh, kind of separatist leaning sometimes. Yeah, because mm. you know, you, you look at the area you know you grew up in and the area you, you've invested so much time in, and you think, well, you seem to hate me. So, sod you then. Because, uh, yeah, um, Brexit voting, Conservative voting, Carlisle, um, bye-bye, and up to SNP voting. So far as I know, it 
indie voting by a by a hair's whisper. Mm. Uh, but also non-Brexit voting, Dundee. So they know which union actually, you know, does them some good. I mean, I just find it kind of... I know we're veering dangerously yeah. into politics at this point, but I just find <laughs> it kind of um, depressing and uh, ridiculous that, you know, people can turn around and go, oh, we're better outside of the EU because, you know, we, we have our own independence and whatnot. Hey, what's that? Scotland wants independence? No. Oh, anybody else want independence? No, no. You should stick with us. Yeah. Why? You you just voted to leave the biggest fucking economic block that you can actually be a part of, so realistically. It's the union you actually get something out of and the union that just siphons up your, off your oil money. I mean, you can't even... like And likes keeping nuclear weapons in, you know, part of you. I mean, Brexiters kind of used to harp on about, oh, how you know, the EU's kind of corrupt and, you know, there's no democracy and whatnot. It's like, have you seen UK politics recently? Yeah. <laughs> so wh- wh- it's, why, it's is just... it, why is it good for us to go out, you know, of the EU, but, you know, bad for anybody else to want to leave us? It's, yeah, it's just horribly sodding ludicrous, isn't it? Hmm. Hypocritical. Yeah. But yeah, um, so, you know, moved up in a half rate through the year, you know, not for, just for that reason, but it was a definite bonus that I would get out of a Tory, you know, city in a Tory part of the country, which seems to psychopathically vote Tory. Where if you vote Tory up here, it's it's kind of a, you know, why? Mm. Don't get you Why? Because I've I've had that you know sort of conversation with you know people in shops, so you know why you know why would anyone vote for them here? And it's oh god, that warms my cockles so much. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, so you know did that and um, you know settled into a nice quiet place. Uh, my uh, collection of arcade boards and bits of tech nerdery are you know are slowly migrating bit by bit up here. So I've now got uh, you know, some shelves built to store my arcade boards. And I've got my little lab area, you know, kind of built up and all that kind of thing. So, you know, it's 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 all coming together. Um, let's see, highlights. Apart from that, which it's not something I want to do every year, you know, move to a different country. Because yeah, what would be Wales, Northern Ireland? Mm. Or an independent Cornwall. Cool. Move to Cornwall. Do this all. Yeah, go on, get on with it. <laughs> Ev- everyone everyone just break away. Uh but let's see. Uh things that have been highlights this year. So, well um I was racking my brain about this. You're gonna groan. Okay. But one of my highlights was a series called the Bad Batch. Uh... Because it's good. I'm just going to leave that. I'm just going to leave that there. But you can imagine a glare across the internet. Other highlights. Because you see, the Bad Batch does fill in a lot of the, uh, you know, the in-between bit with the, you know, the fall of the Empire and... Um, well, no, 
the, the you know the fall of the uh, republic and the building up of the empire. So it's you know be, you know people and planets that are just caught in the middle of you know all this turmoil. So anyway, yeah. So um, people should watch the Bad Batch because it's good. <laughs> um, also good were June, which finally got made and finally got released, even though it is just part one of the, I, you know, the first I, book. I will definitely agree with you there. Yeah, that, film, for sure. that, that was very good, and I am still hoping because there's all you know there's all these uh, bits about extended scenes that were, you know, they were filmed, but they were cut out to you know cut the running time down. And you just for a director's cut. Yeah, I'm hoping for a director's cut, or if you know if you're too you know scared about the possibility of what a director's cut of you know June Part One, which already runs to three hours, you know, would look like, do a mini series. Yeah. Do it in parts. Such a structure does work, as with uh, Doctor Sleep that we just watched a few nights ago on the director's cut of that on Amazon Prime, and that was rather good. I thought they did, they did very well with that. That was a good film. I um, see other good you know highlights of uh, this year would be Suicide Squad. Yes, that that was rather excellent and kind of but, you know I mean- what. No, go on. I think hardly anyone had super high expectations for it because of what the DC movies run has been like and what the previous yes. iteration have been like. I mean, that that's fair. Uh, for the DC stuff, the only thing I've really liked is um, Doom Patrol. I still need to watch that. It It's very good. Is um, Mr. Uh, Mark Shepard any good in it? Really? It was Mark Shepard. What? Did you say who's Mark Shepard? Yeah. Like the guy that played Crowley? Oh! He's, he's only in about two episodes. God damn. Did <gasps> he get killed off or something? Uh, no. He's a bastard, though. You, I think you'd like his character. I mean, he always plays a bastard, to be fair. I don't think he's ever not played a bastard. He does, he does. I mean, if you enjoy doing it, then why the hell not? (laughs) Fuck, even in Voyager, he played a bastard. I mean, like, X-Files, he was, like, a really bad guy in (laughs) X-Files. Wait. I think his nicest character has probably been Crowley at this point. Quite possibly. possibly. Yeah, which is weird. Uh, but yeah, Doom Patrol is rather good, and um, it takes a comic that I never in a million years thought would work as a TV adaptation. It's just, you know, when a friend of mine who had loaned me the Doom Patrol comics years ago and said, read this, you know, I know you don't like superheroes, but read this. And it's like, oh, I'll read this. This is fucking weird. This is really fucking weird. I like this. But yeah, um, I I never in a million years thought that series would work, but oh my God, does it. It's it's just excellent. I've, I've talked about Doom Patrol before, but yeah, um, had the latest season uh, this year and yeah, it's very good. 
and um, a little bit of an update because in the comics they had the uh, the Brotherhood of Dada. If either of you know anything about Dada, no. If I do, it's been lost in my memories from consuming so much stuff. Sort of early twentieth century um, art and performance movement, which was it was basically. Um, oh, oh yeah. Yeah da- yeah Dada. Okay. Yeah. Um, in the comics, it was the Brotherhood of uh, Dada. In this series, um, it's the Sisterhood of Dada. And yeah, it it works very well. And there's the possibility of a spin-off with um, one of my favourite little. Um, I I had quite forgotten about it up until um, they were introduced in this um, season. Um, two characters, um, or three characters, uh, but two characters are dead. And the third character um, is the psychic who can communicate with them. And it's, it's basically two dead schoolboys. One, one who's sort of Victorian times and, you know, the other more recent. But yeah, they're, they're two dead schoolboys and they're on the run from the afterlife. And they investigate weird supernatural crime. With the help of the uh, you know the medium who can you know, he, you know who can see them, but yeah, it's it's good. Uh, they're in an episode, and it's just can I have a spin off of this, please? Because yeah, uh, the other DC uh, comic TV series, not really, no. But uh, Doom Patrol, and you know anything that comes off that, yes, I would watch the hell out of it. Thank you very much. Um. Another very pleasant surprise was Foundation. Uh, You're not the only person to have big that up to me in the past few weeks. I know, I know you've mentioned it in previous episodes. Yeah. But somebody else mentioned it somewhere in hearing range. Blimey. In my life recently. And I'm trying to remember who. Well, it's... it's... It's on Apple TV, so uh, yeah, that's not a yeah. That's that's um, part of my um, bad <laughs> sort of lo- you know low lights of the uh, the uh, um, Apple TV. But um, we'll come back to that. But yeah, uh, Foundation, very good. Um, really big feeling sci-fi, and it's 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 just so nice when we get those. You know, I like the you know the sort of sparkly light sci-fi that you get some you know sometimes from Sci-Fi Channel, but um, yeah, Foundation is it's you know it's one of those big idea sci-fi's and it's done rather well, and it really looks the part as well. So it's like blimey, you know, I I am glad for the technology and special effects that we have these days, so it can get things like that done, um, and. Uh, my last highlight uh, of the year, bearing in mind um, Boba Fett is yes. coming <laughs> rather shortly. So, you know, that, that could be revised, but, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to that. But um, uh, season three of Hannah from Amazon Prime. Uh, either of you familiar with that? Which, which, sorry, what was it? Hannah. Hannah. No, not familiar. 
Uh, it's based on um, an early 20-teens movie of the same name. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea is that it's a young girl who's been uh, trained to be an assassin. And, so what does um, it do different to uh, similar things? It, it, it kind of is, yeah, because um, she, well, first of all, she's very good at the job. Mm. Um, second, the uh, the first, most of the first season is set almost entirely um, with her being, you know, living and being trained for survival by her adopted father in the woods, in like remote woods in, I think, Eastern Europe somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, the the real world starts to intrude. Um, uh, the second season, she uh, starts cottoning on onto the uh, the secret government training program, which was, uh, you know, what she was rescued from when she was still a baby. As she tries to find out about her her mother, um, and then the third season is um, her and um, one of the, um, a, a woman who was trying to find out about the, uh, you know, the whole training program of, um, you know, taking, um, you know, young girls and boosting them up with, you know, to assassinate whoever they want as, you know, part of this, uh, you know, big thing of um, kind of identifying future problem people with the, oh, this person's coming up with, um, you know, interesting rhetoric or they've got an interesting idea which is going to, you know, massively disrupt the power structures. We don't like that. Wouldn't it be good if we had someone who could just kill them before they ever became a real problem? (laughs) You know, based on algorithms. Oh. Mm. Mm. So, um, Season three of Hannah is shorter than the other ones. It's only six episodes. Has it been a um, like COVID stuff? Well, I, I, I'm not sure about that, but um, it does bring the storyline to a close. Okay. But in a way that it can be continued in, a, uh, in future. But it is so incredibly refreshing to have seen. First of all, it's filmed um, in various places in Europe, so you get lots of gorgeous architecture. Um, but what is so refreshing is um, there's a few scenes where there's an assassin trying to kill someone and there's someone else you know maybe one or two people it would be the titular Hannah and um, her sort of mother figure who are you know trying to protect this bloke and of course so you've got a young girl well I would say you know like late teens and you know, girl and um, a woman in her 40s, 50s, you know, somewhere that kind of, you know, um, area. Mm. Um, being the badasses, swapping gunfire and throwing people off balconies and, you know, snapping legs and, you know, things like that. Um, and they're protecting a bloke who is useless because he's a, like a mathematician or he's just like a you know, intelligence analyst who's, you know, suddenly been flagged for something because of, uh, you know, what is discovered in, you know, some uh, database that they think, oh, no, he could be a future leaker. So it is just so refreshing to have all all the incredible, you know, hard arses 
um, in these sequences be women because I lost count of the number of times you have, um, you know, some lass who's useless being protected by, uh, you know, these trained-up soldier men. Mm. And he said, that doesn't really happen in this. The amount of uh, trained-up soldier men who get, uh, you know, um, a little, you know, puff of pink next to their heads and then fall down to the ground in, um, just in the season alone is quite high. <laughs> but, yeah, um, enjoyed that. So, you know, Hannah is good. Uh, let's see. Um, when it comes to low lights, I'm going to ignore the. Imagine me pointing at the world, mm. um, and I'll say that uh, there are two main um, low lights, which will be uh, things like um, not not specifically, but yes, specifically also um, altered carbon getting knocked on the head. Because I in the first season of that was one of the best sci-fi's I've you know I've seen in years. Mm. It was just really well done. The second season was a little bit more messy, but it it caught up with itself in you know in the end. But yeah, disappointed. There's not going to be a season three of that. And generally, the low light is the further splintering of streaming services. Who all seem to think that we have unlimited cash? Oh, oh to... it's, 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 I feel like this is what we were talking about previous episode. Yes, it's related to that. But um, yeah, it, it's a not. Oh, it, there are several examples here. One, um, a thing. Uh, uh, Damn it, goddamn. Series I was just talking about, um, uh, DC Alien? Comics. Doom, Doom Patrol. Oh, Doom Patrol, yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah, um, Doom Patrol is available in the UK, but only as part of Amazon Prime, and only if you if you put the add-on um, subscription <laughs> of Stars. Yeah. So technically it is available, but by the time you, you know filter down and filter down, um, yeah, I imagine the pe- the number of people who are watching it legitimately in the UK is vanishingly small. Mm. Probably maybe tens of thousands, if that. Stars even have much else that's good. I mean, I know in the US, like, the channel itself has a lot of good stuff. Are they the ones that had a lot of the recent Stephen King adaptations in terms of TV series? I think they were. They're also, and that this is another low light, um, the ones who were showing American Gods and also cancelled it. So yeah, thanks for that. Because American uh, Gods was part of the the regular Amazon Prime deal. It's just yeah, like- yeah, yeah. And I'm not quite sure why Doom Patrol is part of Stars mm. with a Z. So you know it's hip yeah. and cool. But yeah, uh, so yeah, you have to subscribe to Amazon Prime. Then you have to, uh, you know, further subscribe to Stars, and it's just no, don't do that. That's always just a massive pain in the ass. And then you've got things like, you know, you know, Foundation and Invasion that you know I've been watching, and you really enjoyed Foundation, but it's on Apple TV for God's sake. I was like, like loads of people recommended like Ted Lasso this past year, and it's like okay, but I, I literally there is very little on Apple TV that I want to watch. 
is, like, is, is Ted Lasso on Apple? I thought it was on yeah. Amazon. I have no idea. No, it's it's, it's Apple TV. It's it's just with that. It's yeah. It's it's supposed to be a good series, but it's about managing a football club. I don't care. Mm. I I would have to put up with a hell of a lot of shit that I you know have a distaste for to actually watch that, and I might in future. But you know, it's just yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a bit like oh, this series is really touching and and heartwarming and funny, but I know you're an arachnophobe, but it takes place in a tarantula aquarium. <laughs> it's just. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, it's all these little series which are, oh, that's good, but it's not worth subscribing to Apple TV just so I can watch Foundation. And it's not worth subscribing to Stars TV just so I can watch Doom Patrol. And then you've got the utter shit show from a month or so back, which was uh, Star Trek Discovery being yanked from Netflix. Because for some reason, Paramount think that, well, CBS think that um, Star Trek is a big enough draw to charge you for an yet another streaming service. And have I got news for them? I will probably subscribe. But that's not the point. <laughs> I really dislike them for it. And it's just, you know. Yeah. It's just, oh my God, yet another one. I already, you know, feel like uh, it's a bit much that I'm, you know, paying for Netflix and Amazon Prime, but at least with Amazon Prime, you get the, you know, postage. But it's like, oh, I don't want to subscribe to about five different streaming services just so I can catch all the stuff that I want. It's kind of why people, you know, would subscribe to Sky so they didn't have to. Also, the services didn't exist back then. But you, you, you get the point I'm making. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and um, that's that's about it. Wow. Oh, 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 oh. Highlight of the year. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Psychonauts 2. Oh, yes. There's one that um, you know, escaped me until just now. Um excellent sequel and i'm currently playing through uh, the original psychonauts on um backwards compatibility on the xbox i've you know i i completed it on launch but of course it's been quite a while so i picked up a dig- digital copy just so i could have it you know on demand and i wouldn't have to swap discs around mm. but yeah psychonauts 2 Excellent game. Original Psychonauts, still very good. A little bit of its time, but still very good. Well worth it if you see it around. Okay. It's my turn. I'll fudge. I'll fudge. Okay. Okay. Highlight. Um, and I've just realised that with your mention of Psychonauts 2, I don't actually have any video games to list as a highlight this year. I would Ooh. say that I have... I've gained perhaps less this year than previous years. Has there just not been a big game that you've been... Well, everything you know, that on? I want to play massively from this year, aside from the director's cut of Death Stranding, for which I still need a PS5 for, and obviously the director's cut of Death Stranding, but I've already played the original through and completed it, um, is that, um, I mean, technically speaking, I suppose I completed those, what, 
like at the start of the year but yeah mm. like i completed that at the start of the year i think i completed the last of us part two at the end of last year slash start of this year i started playing the seventh resident evil game um uh, this year but i've yet to complete it because it's just so fucking scary um and i do have this year's game to play and i've got this i got it for my birthday but but i just find it so scary to play um without pool around basically says the person that saw halloween kills in the cinema um, I mean, bearing in mind that, I mean, when she says without me around, it's not like I'm actively watching. No, I just need, I just need your presence for the moral support. Literally, I could be like, you know, sat here on my laptop or on my phone or... So as long as I've got somebody to go sobbing to, it's fine. Um, so I haven't actually got any video games this year. I had, I, I did put two video games on my Christmas list. And I'm really hoping <laughs> that the non-existent Santa is going to be nice. And uh, give me the uh, new uh, Shin Megami uh, Tensei game. Uh, if I pronounce that correctly, I'll be glad. If I haven't, I'm sorry. Um, and uh, the uh, re uh, skin reimagining of um, Pokemon uh, Pearl. Yes, I went for Pearl rather than Diamond because um, I played Pearl rather than Diamond uh, when it came out originally. Yes. So. That those would be like um, when, my main when, games when come out. <laughs> no, what what kind of era is that? Oh diamond. Oh god. Um it's some generations ago. It's after Because it's it's GBA, isn't it? No. It's, that's DS. Um I think Oh yeah, DS, yes. Yeah, DS. Um because they haven't they, re- they haven't re-released uh, they released Crystal and Silver yet. I can't remember. All I know is that I was vaguely interested in it more than the like Sword and Shield, which was like the last I think massive one to come out. There, there is a, a sort of a uh, tangent, if you forgive me. Oh god, is it um, about bugs? Because I saw some it, interesting stuff about bugs. It's it's not DS. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's Game Boy Advance, which is related to the sort, you know, Pokemon. Uh-huh. Um, and there's a recent mod which you can do to the original GBA, which which adds HDMI out. Oh my goodness! And I am going to have to, it, you know, I'm going to fetch my GBA because I've got the original, um, you know, purple GBA. Yeah. And I know exactly where that is, you know, down in Carlisle. I'm going to fetch that, and I'm going to check which particular version I've got because apparently there's different types of the, you know, the LCD in them. Mm. And it is such a neat, brilliant little mod where there are so many times I've thought, I wish I could play, you know, GBA on TV. And what this does is it scales up the um, GBA screen by three, so it's it's basically seven twenty by uh, four eighty. So it's you know like SD on a you know widescreen you know TV, um, and you can use your GBA as normal, and you plug in the uh, mini HDMI cable, and it will turn off the LCD, and you get everything on the TV instead, mm. and it's just oh yeah, <laughs> this is a mod I want. 
because yeah it's you know the whole thing of the gba yeah the original gba which i had has a terrible lcd on it it's not lit at all same yeah so um i am you know i've been looking up gba games and thinking yeah i really fancy playing these now because there's a fair few I've, I've tried, but of course, um, I think I've mentioned before, I've got the original um, Metroid Fusion on GBA. And one of the only places I could uh, play that at the time uh, was standing in the bathroom because it had a lower main light, which meant um, you had you, you had proper lighting on the screen and could see it properly. Yeah, I got for both of my... I think I used the same one between my Game Boy Color and then my GBA. I got like a little light thing that you plugged in yeah. for that port on it. Oh, yeah, I've, I've got I've yeah. got um, my sister-in-law's uh, yellow original Game Boy uh, sitting across the room in a Nintendo carrier with a you know, pack of games that I've been you know playing on the uh, Super Game Boy on the, the SNES. Um and that's got a light attachment as well. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, everyone who had a Game Boy had some kind of light attachment. Yeah. Whether it was some kind of lens or just a light itself so you could actually try and see the damn screen. But yeah, but yeah that, that just reminded me with a, oh, yeah, that's a recent development that I want. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> okay. So, obviously, no video games are going to be my highlights. Sorry. The low light is there is no video games. Um, actually, there's another low light. Anyway, anyway, so a uh, big highlight for me this, this year, um, seeing on my birthday another round in the cinema. Um, oh, was it, know, what, what's it called, Druk? Yes, Druk uh, yeah. in Danish. Um, I wouldn't say that's necessarily how you pronounce it. Is it just Druk, 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 Druk? I'm just trying to think about all my Danish pronunciation that I've been doing on Duolingo. But it looks like it should be pronounced Druk, but that's an English person's view of the configuration of letters. Um, and like, uh, just because that sounds like what it should be in English is definitely not necessarily the case in Danish. Um, but anyway, uh, Druk, uh, seeing another round this summer was amazing. I clapped at the end of that and cried. Um, to be actually able finally to see it in person was like really really big and I'm so glad that Paul took me to see it. We had the whole cinema to ourselves, the whole screen. Um, admittedly in this time of Corona, that's actually a really nice outcome. Uh, <laughs> but um, like people who didn't see in somebody, you, you're missing out and you need to get it on disc. I've mean, already got it on disc now because it came out uh, on disc uh, in uh, the UK in I think September. I'm a Blu-ray of it kicking about. But um, yeah. It was just so good to to see it um, and to be able to like properly watch it on the big screen um, and not see a festival version and just really appreciate and see stuff and just take in the the story, which is strange and weird, but it's interesting just seeing how the, the characters develop over the course of the film and change a bit. That's just nice. And seeing the breakdowns that happen because there are so many breakdowns in, between people and their relationships. Um, I don't know if you could... Well, I think you could make a 
British English version of it. And I know that there's a low light that it's like because it won so well at the Academy Awards mm. that there was like attempts to make, I think it's Leonardo DiCaprio's production company to like make a, a American English version. And it's like you would, you, the literally the only thing you would take from that then <sighs> is just that you've got a bunch of middle aged guys seeing if having the blood alcohol at a certain level does something to their lives. That's the only bit you can take away from it because all the every other element is dependent on a kind of like a, a Danish or a European culture elements that America just doesn't have. Like you might be able no. to do it with a British setting. But I mean you could call it slightly shit faced or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. But like American drink culture and professional culture is just so different mm. to European, like Danish, European, even British, like the, the our culture, they're at, we're actually quite different at times. Um, I mean, yeah, we've got a lot in common with the US, but there's a lot we don't have in common when it comes to the kind of culture stuff that um, drip touches on. Um, so yeah, um, end of round. Uh, Finally, seeing that was a highlight. Um, Another uh, highlight has uh, probably been um, it's just a personal one. Uh, 12 trips to our local dump. Uh, uh, in October, uh, when we cleared out a whole load of stuff from the house that we've been thinking about for years, um, we also did take some stuff to the local charity shop. Um, that was like worth, you know, selling basically. I forget cause, um, but we we sort out our house quite a bit, um, giving ourselves more room. Um, and we've still got we still got stuff to do, but mm. we made mm. significant progress. It was felt really good. Um, that's just a quick one. Uh, another highlight for me is probably going to be the fact that I uh, I I completed National Novel Writing Month this year, and I know I've talked about it on the podcast in years past, um, I've completed it or been doing it. But this year, not only did I write just over 50,000 words, it was like 50,600 odd. Um, not only did I do that, but I don't hate what I have written as like a story concept or anything. This hasn't happened before when I've done Nano Remo. Is that because you felt under pressure to get the words down and then you just looked back on it and thought mm. no it's been more like i just the concepts were just shit like that i decided to write for um and just terribly cliche and now this is a story that it's like i can see because i planned it out it's an idea that i'd had kicking about in my head for years and had made little notes and bits and pieces down in various places. And so I like finally pulled stuff together and like did some world building beforehand and um, like did like a decent outline. I'm, I'm quite fond of software by Literature and Latte. Mm. They do uh, various bits of writing software. They've got um, a big writing platform that's been around for years and it had an update on Windows this year. I mean, the update's been on Mac for ages, but um, called Scrivener. And it's like a, like it's a prop, it's like a writer's writing platform, you know, like actual software, like properly 
made for writers with like writers in mind versus something like Word or Google Docs, mm. which pretend to be about writing, but they're not really. Um, and then um, and they've got another piece of software that they released in the past year or so called um, Scapel. And it basically allows you to do visual planning. So almost like thought bubble-esque kind of planning and stuff. And I found out, because uh, I got that from doing, uh, I got that for a code for that, a code that I could use for that, uh, from Camp NaNoWriMo, which is like a mini event where you do maybe like, you set whatever we're going you want for that month. And it happens earlier in the year, like twice. Um, and so I got a code and I, I bought a copy of Scarecrow and using that to plan, because I've been using it to plan a few other things, so much better um, for helping me get ideas down. So yes, I was able to plan this story effectively beforehand and I can see how I want to finish writing the story, but then I'm feeling completely at ease with the idea of having to redraft. Mm-hmm. And do further editing. Not that's just not happened before with anything that I've written for Nano Remake, like at all. Um, it's quite an exhilarating feeling. Not going anywhere near it again till like sometime in January, because um, I basically, you know, I did did Nano Remake, and then uh, I've been making Christmas gifts <laughs> for a lot of my free time this month, um, and so I do actually plan because uh, I should finish making most of those actually uh, pretty much uh, by the end of this week start next week <laughs> so I basically plan on then just chilling because I've got two like two and a half weeks off almost well just over two weeks for Christmas and New Year I'm um, just gonna chill the fuck out because I did uh, chill yeah just just go ah like the sorting out the house thing happened like we took a week off work both of us did to do that um you know using actual holiday and so i haven't actually had like a proper chill the fuck out bit of holiday to myself since i suppose like and i'm not even counting because i've had like the other days off here and there for like birthdays and things but i haven't had like a proper chunk of time off uh not do much since last christmas um so yeah so uh, like nanorimo is good got something done finally um but uh i'm i'm looking forward to coming back to it basically um yeah good uh and another highlight which is going to lead into a load light so every you know i'm still obsessed with hannibal that has not gone away. Just going to point that out now. Though I have managed to make it a month without rewatching really the series, which is a pretty good game for me. Yeah, um, that's pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah. However, I have in the past week, whilst crafting, I've been doing a lot of knitting. There's going to be a lot of hats uh, this Christmas. Uh, I, I got into Prodigal Son. Um, so what, but... what is that? Because just the, the title alone makes me think... Is that related to? <laughs> is that related to supernatural? It's only vaguely because of some of the there's like some uh, backroom uh, crossover. So is, is it because it kind kind of slightly maybe sim universe? No, 
Okay. Nothing to do with it. It is a crime show. Right. With a slight difference. It's a crime show that follows the mould of... And I've realised this having watched now Hannibal like a million times and read the books. It's... Um, and watched the films. Um, it is a, a crime show that follows the mould of Broken Guy Helps Solve Crimes. Okay. Okay. Um, and it's got basically one and a half seasons. Pretty much. Although, um, what, I'll, what, what, what I, I, I will, I will just say um, another highlight for me that I've just forgotten about um, because that that has kind of reminded no. me was Midnight Mass. That was that was a very oh, nice yeah. um, you know, surprise. Yeah. Because I um, went into it knowing nothing and it was excellent. But yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um. Sorry. So yeah. So Prodigal Son. So it started. Um, kind of like I think end of 2019, start of 2020. Um, had a proper 20 season, first season run, mm. 20 episode run. Um, and then season two happened, various COVID delays, blah 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 blah. Didn't show until like earlier this year, and it only had 13 episodes. Um, so like the sort of classic half a half a season order. Yeah, and the painful part is the where it's been it it's been left. And the network isn't picking up again. It's been shopped around, but it's been been shopped around since May. Ooh. Yeah. Um, and there's a fandom of it online. You know, like there's a lot of vocal fans who who, who want it to come back, and I, I would like it to come back. I haven't seen it now. I went into it knowing it hadn't been renewed. Yeah. But I wasn't expecting it to be left hanging where it was and how it was. It's worse than Hannibal by a a million Mm. miles. Like, Hannibal, the TV show has definitely at least got something approximating a reasonable ending. I mean, you had to see it go blah, 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 but it still technically had a an ending that you could close off from or open-ended in like a nice way, depending on how you feel about the end credits. But Prodigal Son ends like after this really built up like dramatic event happens, and this is like like it's a highlight. It's actually an interesting show. It was trying to do away with some of the usual like killer of the week type stuff. Yeah, um, and, and I think one of the reasons why because it, its ratings did slip a bit in season two, but I did compare it to like some of the final seasons of Supernatural. Um, not the same network, but it wasn't doing worse than Supernatural in some okay. regards and other long-running shows, you know, that don't necessarily have another networks and stuff that haven't had the best ratings. And I think part of it was that it, it and it, it kind of feels a little bit like what happened with Hannibal in the sense that the network just didn't understand the show. And so they were like, oh, yeah, let's just cut it. Um, yeah, it's like we don't quite get this. It's it's maybe not getting the demographics that we would yeah. prefer. So it's getting the rate, you know, it's getting numbers, but it's not the right. Yeah, and, and of course they're relying on like really. I mean, I retweeted it earlier, like some article from LA Times where like the Nielsen Group in the US is getting it in the neck because it's like, well, how accurate are your fucking figures these days when it's based off of people watching live forty thousand households watching live TV. And those figures uh, are still being used to judge show success. And it's like, in this day and age of streaming, 
Yeah, um, well, because that's the thing, like looking at like what's happened with Prodigal Son after it's been cancelled or not renewed, however you want to put it, um, it clearly has quite a dedicated international following and a, and a US following and a Canadian following and stuff as well that's like been mostly streaming it. Yeah. And it's just like, I get maybe not paying out for like a 20 or episode season or whatever, but people can be quite happy with like 10 to 13 episodes. You know? Yeah. Like that that's fine. But it did try to do something different. It did try to move away from Killer of the Week. And so season two uh massively did that. Like it was a little bit of Killer of the Week, but there was a, a multi episode arc um that if you look at the ratings like for the conventional viewing, um you can see it kind of dropping off because it wasn't Killer of the Week. Yeah. Um, but like I would say that it basically fits this sort of prototype mold, and you could try and like uh, for crime shows, and you could try and tie it all back to like Sherlock or something. But no, no, it, it's about more people more broken than Sherlock um, in terms of the original Arthur Conan, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle novels. Um, I would trace back the origins of Prodigal Son to. Uh, the red uh red dragon and will graham and Hannibal, okay basically um still a very different show um but it's just that you've got a broken guy trying to solve crimes and mostly murderers um and it feels it feels like a um a dynamic that you see in tv shows like the mentalist um and yes of k of course the obvious like sherlock sherlock but more murdery, which is elementary. Um, and like true detective, but it's not quite as serious because it's not HBO. It was a network show instead. Um, like, yeah. Bro- broken guys solving crimes, mostly. I, the cl- I don't know if I've really seen anything quite yet that's broken women solving crimes. I mean, one might argue that the disastrous adaptation of. Uh, Continuing from Science of the Lambs with Clarice might have been, maybe. See, broken women solving crime. That not that a lot of Nordic crime fiction? You know what? Probably is actually. When I think about it, like the because I'm thinking the killing in the bridge. The bridge, yeah. Um, all the newer. Um, I still need to watch episode two of that. Um, the Chestnut Man, which is on Netflix at the moment in the UK. Ooh, I will have uh, to have a look at that. Anyone needs more Scandi? Apparently, and there's another Danish series, but it's like Christmas themed that I haven't checked out yet. That's like to do with um, like scary elves or something in the forest, like little monster elves. Um, but it's Danish. It's like a Christmas horror series. Um, so yes, yeah, so the Prodigal Son is a high and a low to discover it, and then and seeing like you've got this character like of, of Malcolm Bright who's played. I can't remember the ex's name, but he played Jesus in Walking Dead. Okay, yeah. Um, and he's got a couple other people. Um, the character there's this character called Gil. Again, I'm, I'm really bad for actors' names. Um, and he played a character in Longmire. Um, and actually, there is at least one person from Hannibal who makes <laughs> a couple of appearances. 
okay. in the series as a minor character. Um, the actress that played Beverly Katz uh, hmm. makes a few appearances. Like there are like familiar faces, and obviously one of the most familiar actually is the fact that you've got Martin Sheen in it playing a um, psychopath. Hmm. Um. So yeah, so he plays a character called um, Martin who was a surgeon um who actually then turned out to be this prolific serial killer called nicknamed then the surgeon um who his son malcolm uh basically eventually dobbed into the police after realizing his dad was a killer or something dodgy Mm. um as a kid um, but then Malcolm goes on to become through all this trauma because obviously that's quite traumatic finding out that you're a bit. serial killer um, and various memories of things and stuff. He, he goes on to become um, an FBI profiler in the first episode, ends up disgraced, leaves the FBI, um, well, he's technically fired, I think, um, and ends up working, uh, comes back home to New York City and ends up working with a, the major crimes unit in um, NYPD as a profiler, basically, because the, the, the police officer that helped with um, capturing the surgeon was the person that was first on the scene mm. when he made a call to try and get the police's attention. That officer, Jill, uh, Gil, however you pronounce it, um, He's head of like a tech, yeah, this major crimes unit basically, and um, asks Malcolm to consult basically in profile for them uh, on at crimes. However, Malcolm is a very very damaged individual and has a smorgasbord of psychological issues to uh, wet wet sort of uh, keep keep yourself a. Uh, um, it's sort of indulged with you know in the sense of like like it reminded me of stuff that went on with will graham in mm. like seasons one and two of hannibal um certainly reminded me of some of the stuff that happened with uh jane uh in the mentalist um certainly reminded me of a couple of things that happened with um sherlock and elementary um so yeah, I, I I don't class the Sherlock that we have in Sherlock by Moffat and Gaius as particularly broken. She's mm. just annoying. <laughs> e, e, yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah, so I discovered Prodigal Son too late, but maybe not too late. Who knows? Something just needs to pick it up. I can't seriously. If you, it, it's on now TV at the moment in the UK. It's on other streaming services, obviously in other bits of the world. Um, I I keep forgetting I have access to Now TV. That's <laughs> that's just so how remarkable it is most yeah. of the time. I, I watched most of it either knitting or um, cause I've been making hats for people, or um, whilst on my exercise bike um, and a little bit in bed. And I just I literally blitzed through three three episodes of TV in the past week. Um, and I'm rewatching it a little now. The fandom for it though is still kind of small, but it only has a season and a bit. So it's not unsurprising. Like it's got, it, it actually, I think it technically qualifies for um, this uh, gift fanfic exchange that happens every year for Christmas uh, called Yuletide. Oh, and, yeah. and basically it's only four fandoms 
that have under a certain number of fanfics on um, Archive of Our Own, AO3. Oh, yeah. And so yeah. I had a look to see what the fanfic situation was for Protocol Sun. I have like no ships I'm particularly fond of for it. Yeah. Um, I, if I, I want to have a look to see if there's anything with plots that handled with where the fuck this series ended in that it didn't end. Um, and uh, but anyway, it's only got like it's got fewer than five thousand fanfics, and I think to qualify for Yuletide, you have to have fewer than ten thousand stories. So, hmm. I think it actually qualifies for Yuletide, which is interesting. But um, sign up. I want to point out, sign up for Yuletide is like a month, if not more, ago. Um, so it's not like something you can suddenly just jump into. But it's a, it's it is. A, so for people who don't understand, there are exchanges, gift fanfic exchanges, where people create fanfics based off of a small prompt for specific fandoms that have been given by individuals, and they're basically essentially gifted to those individuals as like a fanfic. I, I kind of like that idea. Um, it's quite nice. And other and there are like fandom specific events that happen as well. Um, there used to be a really popular one in supernatural fandom that was for um, Destiel, but unfortunately that one hasn't run for a few years now. Um, that that happened before cancellation was even announced. Um, but there's other ones. Um, but yeah, there's there's various there's even one in um, Hannibal fandom. Though that one, I think, from what I could tell, is like a crossover between like physical gift gifting, uh, giving, and you can do digital gifts as well, which can include fanfic, or it could be fan vids, or art, you know, like, it varies, basically, whatever you can make, sort of thing, um, which is really nice, uh, basically, to sort of make something for someone and then gift it to them for Christmas. It's fandom-based. Anyway, so highlight, low light. Um, uh, and yeah, you bring up Midnight Mass. That was an unexpected highlight for this year as well. Yeah. Oh, I, that, I, that, that was one where I thought, oh, yeah, that, oh, yes, that. Yeah. Like, I, it, it started slow, and then episode three, you were just like, oh my fucking God. It's like, well, it's really out the bag now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, and, and that was good. That was. Um, it was really, really good to uh, see that. You know what? I just remembered one thing I did play this year. Yeah. I played. Uh, I did play through, replay through the uh, Mass Effect real re-release. I got. I completed one, and then I tried playing two. I would say it's necessarily a highlight. <laughs> um, and it was just kind of like I started to get disheartened by whilst I was playing too, because I was like, I would do all this cool shit, and then it's going to count for almost nothing in Mass Effect Three story. Yeah, that's one reason why, even though you know I love the first two and large chunks of three, it was still it's a yeah I don't have the legendary edition, and it's it's going to take quite a long time for me to. Uh, and they'll go back to it. Yeah. No, I think it's reasonable. Um, but yeah, I don't. Do I have any massive lowlights? No, I think Prodigal Son now discovering it and then having that switcheroo is is one. I think. I'm trying to think. Have I got any cinematic highlights that you haven't mentioned? Get them around. 
Anything from the MCU? Okay, Shang-Chi was an unexpected delight this year. Like, I, I, I have yet to see that, but... Yeah, okay. It's like, I haven't watched a Kung Fu movie in a while. Um, to be fair, to actually go finding it to watch it is, like, stuff in that genre is, you know, proper sort of Hong Kong kind of Kung Fu is hard at times these mm. days. Um, I think... How do we, we... We used to have a lot more... Did we have a lot more on this? Or we just borrowed people's stuff? Anyway, um, it had brought up really fond memories of just decent martial arts movies, um, watching it. And the story was actually pretty reasonable as well. So it had this lovely balance between um, fantastic fight choreography, mm. a story that fit well with the rest of the MCU, um, likeable characters and nice and, and like pretty good acting. Like, no, I don't think anyone had super high expectations for it, but at the same time, it like blew a lot of recent comic book movies out of the water. Good. I mean, the only thing that will be interesting to see is obviously, I mean, when when this episode gets released of what we're recording right now, like the new Spider-Man movie will be out. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how it, um, how that compares. Indeed. And as a little segue with, um, there with the new Spider-Man, you know, movies coming, you know, movie coming rather, and it having, you know, it pulling on, you know, some of the, um, you know, the previous Sony uh, Spider-Man movies. Um, yeah. We we finally got up to date with watching them. Yay! So I'd I'd seen the first two. I was in in the first two, two of me and Maguire. But for mm. some reason, we'd never got around to watching the third one. And then the two Andrew Garfield ones just passed us completely by because we hadn't seen the third two mm. of me and Maguire one. So you know. Um, but yeah, finally seen them now and. Um, yeah. yeah, not quite sure what to think of the um, like, Andrew Garfield ones. I liked the first Andrew Garfield film, Andrew Garfield one. I didn't like the second one because um, of what they did. Uh, the uh, was it Electro seemed like he needed psychological help. Yes, I thought that was a that was a bit cheap. Yeah, and um, and also um, he. Mostly thanks to Into the Spider-Verse. Um, and I was looking up, because hang on, hang on, hang on. Gwen. Okay. Yeah. Hang on, look, look, hang on. Okay, so she becomes Spider-Gwen. Yeah. And then she's like, hang on, what? She's killed in Amazing Spider-Man 2? What? So that's because... In the comics, there's alternate university stuff. So oh yeah, I know, but it, it was kind of refreshing that oh god, it's not MJ again. Yeah. But um, yeah, that was that was a. Mm. But yeah, I in, I enjoyed them more than I thought I would, and I I definitely enjoyed um uh, in Spider Man three. Yeah. More than I thought I would, based on what everyone said about it. Where oh. It's like, yeah, you know, they they turn yeah. out messy, yeah. Because and I keep hearing that these, you know, the studios 
kept interfering with you know who they want in there so they can sell you know merchandise shit mm. but it's just mm. although um i i i did have the unparalleled f- um fun and joy of explaining sandman uh, mm-hmm. to my other half mm-hmm. cuz uh it was so it, it, sandman it's like it's something to do with dreams right mm-hmm. no no it's a man right that is sand Mm. That's it. That's his super. And he's like, "Oh come on!" It's like, no, literally, he can turn to sand and back again, mm. and he can get bigger with more sand, or smaller with less sand. But he is a man that is sand, sand man. Hmm. <laughs> I've just remembered another highlight. Um, uh, reading the book. Uh, this is how they tell me the world ends, and I want to get the author's name. That involves me get my Kindle app to appear a moment. Um, so there's a book. Duh, 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 where are you at? App, 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 app. Duh, 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 found you. Found you. Um, yeah, this is how they tell me the world ends, which is a. Uh, it's a cyber. Uh, culture. Well, it's a, it's a it's a cyber sort of um. Uh, how do I put it? It's about cyber warfare. Okay. Um, not cybering, which is in, an entirely different thing. Yeah, that's an entirely different thing. It's by uh, Nicole uh, Perloff, um, and it is. Yeah, it's like it's pretty harrowing breed. Some might say, oh, it's ridiculously alarming, but, like, actually, it's not. It's a very good look at the history and then current situation with nation-state hacking, basically. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and it is it is worth reading. It's, like, 500 pages of it. It is actually a really fucking good read. Um, it really gets into the history of how we've ended up with the current situation we have um, between like the US, Russia, China, North Korea, um, even little bits about Britain, where certain groups in Israel come in, and you know how historical events like uh, you know like Stuxnet fits into everything, <sighs> and and actually what that particular thing in that event in of itself meant for cyber warfare because actually it, it, i think uh, nicole makes a good point in her book that if it hadn't been for stuxnet there is a chance that the current threat landscape would not be as severe as it currently is yeah so yeah um I feel like I feel like I want to give one more highlight. One more highlight: the Chucky TV series. Oh, now that I have not watched, but I have heard good things. Again, it's on Now TV, but it's only on Now TV until I think January twenty second. Eight episodes. Um, So plenty of time to watch in lockdown. Yeah. Um, This is like that's like you know that's a quick binge that. Um, it it was really um, interesting. It was interesting watching uh, a show with 
younger characters that I kind of was made to care about mm. more effectively than Riverdale had ever managed. Because the thing is, is that like the kids are in, you know, like if you, you if you know Chucky, you don't know Chucky. Like the Chucky series of films is about a serial killer who, um, through voodoo, uh, possesses a, a good guy doll. Um, she's got bright red hair, and I can't remember if it's got freckles or not, and wears like dungarees or something. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that there are freckles. Yeah. Um, and but the killer's nickname is is basically Chucky, um, and uh, like the series picks off from the film, so the films are still canon. Throwing tail. Okay. Cool. Um, though I've only ever seen bits and dabs of the film, so I really need to watch those. But I understood, like if you if you know of the mythos of Chucky, like you can watch the TV series. If you've seen the films, you'll definitely get way more from the TV series. And it's already been renewed for a season two, um, which is great. Um, but it was um, it was an unexpected delight to watch. Um, really enjoyed it. Um, and like in terms of newer stuff that I've watched this year, that wasn't Prodigal Son. Let's face it. Um, like yeah, like I really uh, I really enjoyed it. I think it's uh, well worth a watch. And I think, gentlemen. Try to think if I got any lowlights that we haven't mentioned. Eh. Not enough time to write. Does that class as one? Well? Not enough time to read. I found out how many books I've got in my back uh, my backlog. I'm not allowed to buy any new books unless it's for like research purposes, basically or like work. Um, I've got like a hundred and twelve books to read. Okay, that's mm-hmm. more than three. Yes. I'm not allowed to buy myself any new books. It has to either be gifts or I'd borrow it from the library, basically. I'm allowed to buy new books, though, if it's to do with basically my job as, like, writing and stuff. Um, so now suddenly you're going to get a, a job doing PR for Hannibal. Or... <laughs> um, some of those books include, like, actual analyses of Hannibal, the TV series, and the novels and the TV and, and the films. I will admit now, um, but they do not make up the majority. A whole load of it's like um, a load of horror film, uh, not horror films, sorry, horror novels that I got through an abominable book club subscription last year. And lovers like I've got a whole load of the Rivers of London series by Ben Aranovich to read. Um, I've got like a prequel to the um, Powder, is it Powder Mage uh, series? Um, called Sins of Empire. That's a was it Brian McLean McClone? I can't quite see it from here. I've got like one Joe Abercrombie book to read. Like I've got Will the the first novel of Wheel of Time. Like I've got some random bits of nonfiction as well, including one about like state operators and stuff. And like I think I've got like Laurie Penny's first book or something as well, kicking about and a few other things. Mm. Like I've got a real mix of like mostly fiction, but there's some interesting non-fiction choices as well. But if anyone's seen Drowning Multimedia, I had, which is my blog, which I vaguely resurrected. I have set myself some rules for dealing with that backlog. Okay. Uh, as the months come, and that is basically um, if a story, if a book doesn't grab me after I've gone about a third of the way through, I am allowed to stop reading. 
I'm allowed to be like, nope, this is not for me. I and then uh, if it's a physical book, so I've got some stuff on Kindle, but not as much. I I I used to be such a stickler for that, um, for almost everything, books, uh, TV series, you know, you yeah. name it. And it's just, no, I have to finish this, even if it means having to buy the extra ones that I know I'm going to hate. Yeah, I I, I, I have stopped reading books in the past, so I know I'm capable of it. Um, I did it with um, uh, uh, one massive, uh, uh, Chinamoville, that's how you pronounce his name, uh, novel, was it Green something? It was one of his long ones. Most of them are long, but yeah, I, I gave up on it. Um and I got more than halfway through with that. So I think give myself a third, that's, that's pretty reasonable. Um, yeah. But if I don't like it after a third, um, I'm allowed to stop reading. And basically anything I don't want to keep or, you know, stop reading because I don't like it, um, I can I'm, I either give it to someone or give it to charity, like a charity shop. So, yeah. <sighs> okay. That is all we've got time for. Uh, I think in uh, 2021, gentlemen. Yeah. <sighs> what what a year. What a year in bloody deed. So let's see what our 2022 brings us. Well, living in the future is good, but also awful. Yeah. Did anyone else see that bloody Elon Musk has been named Times Person of the Year? <laughs> I know, I was, yeah, I've seen people also point out that Time had Adolf Hitler as mm-hmm. Man of the Year in, uh, in obviously quite a while ago. Yeah, yeah. I know, like, I, I think there are, if you, if you go for entrepreneurs, there are other, other entrepreneurs are available. Um, and, oh, I know, maybe people who... Um, you know, created the um, um, RNA vaccines, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Too cool for them, apparently. Um, they got to slum it so, with uh, Musk. So thanks for the sore arm and the, the sore throat. <laughs> but alternative, yeah, I'll take yeah. the arm and the throat, thanks. Um, so yes, that's all we've got time for this episode, 2021. Uh, I want to say uh, to everyone, um, happy holidays. Ha- happy um, things, whatever we can or can't do. Yeah. Um, or should or safe. should not do. Yeah, shouldn't do. Uh, stay safe. Uh, get jabbed if you can. Um, you know, um, we hope you have an excellent new year uh, when we'll uh, be filling your heads filled with sound and varying quality of sound and nature uh, <laughs> next year. Words will be involved. Words will be involved. Um, yeah, it's been an extra long episode. Oh, bloody It's, it's not as long as that because we hit record before. There's like, it's more like an hour and a half, I think, as I talk. <laughs> not that long. Bloody hell, I didn't realise the time. I know, it's late. It's late. It's literally all we've got time for. Yeah. It's a, I, I didn't even mention the arcade stuff, so I'm happy with that. Oh shit! Yeah, you did. You did good. Um, oh, are we hugging Winston now? Are we? A little bit chilly. Okay. Um, 
seek we seek the toys for warmth in these dark times um that is uh we've got time for like i said happy holidays have a good new year get jabs you can stay safe um and uh we'll see you in 2022 so it's good night from it's good night from me paul wood i'm retroid on eurogamer.net and super retroid on twitter it's good night from me paul blurt i'm on twitter's at paul blurt and it's good night from me, Emily King. I'm on Twitter at emkingma. Um, you can find notes to this episode over at www.nerdassemble.co.uk. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Nerds Podcast. We're on Facebook as Nerds Assemble Podcast. You can find episodes on such platforms as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, uh, Stitcher, um, Pocket Cast, and a couple of other places probably as well. Um, we're about we get about um if i somehow feel like doing stuff over christmas i might take some further steps to moving where we host this podcast in terms of a website but um it's looking unlikely i just need to chill guys so good night good night good night So you're saying that we could have a 2024 that is 2020 part four. What about 23? What's happened to 2023 here? We don't talk about 2023. Oh, God. Giant asteroid 2023. Sticks and turns 2024. is 2021 part two and a half or something. Are we going by naked gun numbering now? Basically, we're, we're in the Lucas prequels, aren't we? It's entirely plausible that we are, yes. Does that mean Shut. that we've got the original trilogy to look forward to? But you know what would make it better? If we had a Bad Batch. That would make the prequels better. Challenge, watch that series 2022. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've done my part. Thank you very much, Disney. You'll be expecting the check in the post. Yeah.